Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. A little bit later in the day than I planned to be, but it is what it is. I've been trying to get some information for you guys, the you final group that uh, are still waiting for your your books to arrive and uh, it has been a challenging situation to say the least but we're now near the end if it had not been a national holiday today this book's being mailed today so here's what happened as you guys are well aware I've, I've shared some updates with you and the overwhelming overwhelming majority of you have your books and it's so easy to focus on uh, you know the, the challenges in life but uh, thousands of you have already got your books and uh, there's less than a hundred of you that don't and so there was some multiple orders. Those of you that ordered more than one book, you know, this had to go in boxes. And they ran out of boxes last week, had to order some more. I'm happy to say the boxes came in Saturday. So everything's been uh, packaged up between yesterday and today. They would have gotten it to the mailbox today, as we talked about. But uh, it's going out tomorrow. So you should have your book this week. And uh, if you don't, then there's an issue. Okay, let's just lay it out there. If you don't, there's an issue. And so many of you have contacted me. I have shared those order numbers and names with the publisher. They've researched those. And I've been assured that uh, everything that was pre-ordered has now been processed and packaged and will go out tomorrow. Uh, There are some orders, too, that have taken place the month of February, you know, since the book was released. Those are being processed now. So everything outstanding should be in the mail this week. And so I appreciate your patience. And again, it's been very challenging. And uh, you know, when, you, when you deal with new people at times, there are some, uh, some growing pains for all involved. But again, we've never dealt with sales at this volume in such a short time. We sold a ton of books, you know, with Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. And we've done pretty well with Bloom's Bolleander too. But never have we had the frequency in sales in such a short period of time and so you've got a lot of people that are packaging up books from pre-orders and then once the book is released there are a lot of people that didn't pre-order that elected to order so the pre-orders had to take priority i hope you understand and many people have said hey you know what i'll just go buy it at a local store and you've done that too and i thank you for that and i am happy to say that dogpile is now the number one book in the state of mississippi it's the best-selling book in the state of mississippi and just so you guys know all of those pre-orders and orders that go to the website don't even count for that. There are some people that say, oh, you know, Steve and them report whatever they want to. They're like Ole Miss when it comes to baseball attendance. No, that's not the case. The best-selling list is, uh, is put together by Mississippi's independent bookstores. And so they're the ones that report their sales. And number one, number one, expected it didn't make me any less grateful. Matter of fact, I woke up Sunday morning 
And matter of fact, I went to bed Saturday night with that on my mind. So now first thing I'm going to do in the morning is go get a paper, wake up wide awake at six o'clock. Didn't want to do that, but I woke up and then of course my mind starts racing. I got to go get a paper. I got to see for sure. Of course, in limited distribution, when it was only in a couple stores, it was number five in Mississippi. Now it's number one. Number one. We expect to stay there for a little while, but you know what? Even if we don't, it's number one. Number one. That gives me two number ones, two number twos, and a number five. And I still contend that Start Billing should have been a number one. I think there were some politics played in that deal. But nevertheless, Dogpile, the new one, number one. And uh, again, assurances to all of you that have ordered through the website, you're going to get a book. Okay, I know that a lot of bookstores are already uh, having to reorder. We're getting a lot of that. A lot of people that ordered maybe kind of underestimated you guys and maybe underestimated me. So they ordered a few hundred books, and now they're already reordering because the supplies are running low. So if you're going to be in town this weekend, I'll be signing books. And uh, we, we've got a couple things scheduled for this week. I'm trying to remember offhand. Um, we had to reschedule tomorrow signing for reads. That's now been pushed to Monday due to some impending inclement weather. We may not even play baseball tomorrow. We're hopeful. But uh, maybe some tornadic activity again. So they're going to err on the side of caution. So tomorrow signing at Reed's, that's Gumtree Books in Tupelo, Mississippi. That is going to be Monday. Monday, a week from today, I'll be in Tupelo signing those books. Now, if you pre-ordered through Gumtree Books in Tupelo, there it reads, I'm actually going to go sign those books this week. You guys have waited a while too. we got enough people waiting for books. And so if you bought those books through Reads, you're not going to have to wait until Monday. I'm going to go down there Wednesday after we record the show Wednesday. I'm going to hit the road, drive over to Tupelo, go uh, shake some hands, and sign your book. So if you had a pre-ordered book through Gumtree Books in Tupelo, that will be signed on Wednesday, and then they'll be able to, to allow you for pickup uh, you know, later in the week. And so just kind of keeping you abreast of what's going on. Now, Thursday... Thursday afternoon, I will be at Friendly City Books in Columbus, Mississippi. And then, of course, this weekend, you know, we'll be knocking around town, and I'll give you the details on those a little bit later. Be uh, Friday and Saturday signings again uh, while you guys come in to see the Diamond Dogs play Northern Kentucky. But that's your, uh, your dog pile update, and I appreciate you guys so much. And, uh, you know, if it, if it was up to me, everything in life would go per- perfect. And I, I am very much a perfectionist. Like, if I make a mistake in an article – even if I find it years later, I go in and fix it. It absolutely drives me crazy when I make a mistake like that. And sometimes I'm rushing. Sometimes I don't always maybe give the online content the, um, the proofreading it needs. So I go back and read it a couple times. And, you know, usually if you're the person that makes the mistake, you're a little less likely to find the mistake. And sometimes I make those mistakes. And I admit that. I'm human. Sometimes I, I get a little bit uh, caught up, I, especially when, when, you, when you've got a book on the market. You know, the phone's always ringing. There's always people that are calling and texting and that sort of stuff. And, and then with all this going on with the online orders, I'm trying to be an advocate for you guys and that thing too. And even though it's not something that I control, you know, it is my name on the book. And so everybody's been great. I think there's only been one or two people that have been a little bit difficult. And uh, so if you're those one or two people, you'll know that you're very much in the minority. But everybody's like, hey, Steve, I get it. No, but here's the deal. At the end of the day, you people believed in me. You were excited about the book. And now you read other people on social media have already read the book. They had their books. And, and I get it. I completely understand that. It. It's like, well, hey, I pre-ordered and I don't have my book yet. Hey, I'm sorry. 
I'm absolutely sorry. If there's anything that I could do to prevent that, I absolutely would. But uh, there are a lot of people that you don't know that are working exceptionally hard behind the scenes uh, down in Madison, Mississippi, to make sure this gets taken care of. And so we're down now, really. It's, you know, it's just, you know, less than 100, uh, and those are going to go out tomorrow. And so, of course, they'll, uh, they'll process those other orders, and, and we'll get you guys taken care of. But uh, I appreciate you guys uh, more than I can say. And they're, they're finalizing some other signings, and we're having to be careful about that because we are going to exhaust inventory before we can complete some of those later signings. So we're not scheduling a lot, you know, in March and April. We're kind of doing it in February. We're going to do some early March stuff. And uh, we're having to kind of earmark some books for those signings. Now, I'm going to be in Baton Rouge that Monday, you know, after we play Tulane. And so uh, here's what we got going, okay? So I'm getting a lot of requests for people about out-of-state signings. And we toured extensively, you know, for Stark Villains. We didn't tour extensively for Alpha Dogs because of the quarantine. You know, the Alpha Dogs is my quarantine project, and so we didn't tour as much, mostly in-state stuff. And I had told my publisher, because of the fact that so many of our Mississippi vendors that have been so incredibly supportive of me, that they were the ones that were, at the, you know, with me from day one, that I wanted to really do the signings in Mississippi to help our Mississippi vendors. I shared that with you guys then. I share it with you now. I'm a Mississippi guy, born here, lived here, raised here. I'll be buried here. I'm a Magnolia Stater through and through, even though I spent some time across state lines a couple decades for the most part. But the reality of it is I'm a Mississippi guy. And so wanted to get those folks taken about. So we're, go we're going to do some out-of-state touring this summer after baseball season. And you can say, well, Steve, I, you know, I really wanted to see you before then. Well, you're going you're gonna to have to do it. Uh, in Mississippi, you know, other than my trip to Baton Rouge, I told you guys we've had a couple different issues. You know, we had a quarantine, we had some tornadic weather, and they've had to schedule, cancel, and reschedule a couple times. So that's the only out-of-state signing that I'm going to do this spring is uh, there in Baton Rouge. And of course, I got a lot of friends back there too. So we'll get those folks taken care of. But again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for your support. And thank you for making Dogpile number one. I never had a doubt, but I'll be honest with you. On my way to the books, on the newspaper yesterday, to uh, pardon me, on my way to the convenience store yesterday to get the paper, it was a part of me. I just, the whole time, I was like, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Even though I know the book deserves to be number one, I know that it's number one in just about every bookstore in Mississippi. Um, until you see it, you can't really celebrate it. And it seemed like everything went wrong at the gas station. Like I went to the one pump where the card reader didn't work. So I moved to the next one. Then I dropped my gas cap underneath the car. Go inside. And, of course, there's a long line. You know, people that people want to visit and that sort of stuff. And I just wanted to get the paper. And I got the paper and I opened it up to the life section of the Clarion Ledger. And there it was, top of the heap, dog pile. I might have shed a tear or two. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe I'm willing to admit that with you guys. Yeah, it was really emotional for me. It really was. You know, I've had two number ones now, and uh, I'll be honest with you, you know, there's a part of me, too. As, as much as I enjoyed Flim Flam, I kind of didn't want my best-selling book to be, uh, to be Flim Flam. You know, this is the one. We're celebrating a NAFL championship, and any, any good news in Starkville is bigger news than any bad news in Oxford. Just kind of how it works. So excited to get you guys the books and uh, excited to get your reviews. I had a great review today, and I don't think he would mind if I shared this with you before we get into baseball. These are, these are his words. Um, I don't know if you guys know Richard Willis. 
And uh, Richard shared this on social media, so I, I don't think he would have a problem with me sharing it with you guys. But uh, So Richard obviously was a pre-order and then just couldn't wait when I bought him the book. And so uh, I've told him just uh, gift the other one to, uh, to Mississippi State fan. There, there's some of you out there, too, that uh, have got extra books. Don't send them back. Give them to some other Mississippi State people. There's a handful of you guys that may have gotten double shipped. Don't feel like you got to send them back. Keep them. Give them to other Mississippi State fans. Let them have that as a keepsake. But here's what Richard had to say. I can finally close the chapter on the 2021 season and completely look forward to the 2022 season. Thank you, Steve. It was more than merely enjoyable to go back in time and ride the train one more time. My takeaways from the book were are as followed. Number one, the introduction was emotional for me. The way the book was dedicated made me feel like it was specifically dedicated to my dad. My dad introduced me to baseball at birth and MSU baseball in 1984. I may have shed a tear. Then again, it may have been allergies. Number two, the first three chapters were unexpected gold. I expected a glance over and got a history lesson. I'm not sure it could have been better. Loved it. Three, I spent from the 12th of, 11th of October, excuse me, the 11th of April through the 28th of May, sitting on the couch wearing a heart monitor and watching the season on TV due to a fluke medical condition that still hasn't been properly diagnosed yet. I love Jim Ellis, Bart, and Charlie. They do an amazing job. The addition of Ron Polk in the booth is absolutely platinum. But it's nothing like being inside Duty Noble. Your memories are much stronger when you're inside the park. I'd forgotten how much I'd forgotten about the games in that time span. Every series was covered in detail even the ones I'd chosen to forget. The chapter number four. The chapters after the SEC tournament will always be special to me. It was my first trip back to Duty Noble since April 11th, and I vowed to never take another day in that stadium doing what I love for granted. I hope I always remember to keep that promise to myself. John Lennon said it best when he said, the time you enjoy wasting was not wasted, and I soaked up every second. Five, reliving the regionals and the super regionals will always be special. There's nothing quite like the atmosphere and the dude during those two weeks of the season, especially when the team is clicking on all cylinders. Number six, the College World Series chapters weren't long enough. He could have infinitely written about it, and it still wouldn't have been long enough. Just like being there, it was over too soon. I love Omaha. Number seven, thank heaven the story of Coach Foxhall's dad wasn't the ending to the last chapter. After losing my dad in 18, I'm not ashamed to say that I had to put that book down and take a break to dry the windows to my soul before I could finish reading it. Number eight, spoiler alert, we won. Number nine, Rafael Palmeiro holding that hardware was one of my favorite scenes in Omaha. Mine too. Number 10, I still claim that the ninth inning at the last game of the 2019 Supers with Mangum and Mack was the most electric thing I've ever witnessed on a baseball diamond. Winning it all in Omaha doesn't change that for me. The 2019 Supers were just straight-up supercharged elation with no other emotion involved. Winning it all had a totally different feel to it because it came with not only the excitement, but an overwhelming sense of relief. But make no mistake about it, both nights were absolute magic. That's absolutely true. And thank you so much, Richard, for sharing your comments. And because they moved me so much, I wanted to share them with others, not just because it was a promotion of the book, but again, it kind of encapsulates you know, our collective experience as Mississippi State baseball fans. And there's just something special about that that I don't think a lot of people can comprehend. I think there are a lot of people out there that are fans of a school. They're fans of a sport. But we're part of a family. We're part of the M over S family. And again, Richard, thanks for being a part of our family and thanks for your kind words. Let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I'll be in there later this week. 
probably going to get the sloppy joe sliders again i've kind of been having a hankering for that that's the thing you know it's like you go places and you think you know hey next time i'm there i'm gonna have this because you begin to equate good dining with good places that's what you have you get a great place that serves great food in bulldog burger company be sure and check them out three great locations to serve you right here university drive in stark vegas and of course gloucester street there in tupelo the brand new in Lake Harbor Drive in the Roads and Flowood area. I get a lot of people to tell me, Steve, every time I go in there, the place is packed, and they still do a great job. Giving you great food, great portions, at a great price. That's Bulldog Burger Company. The place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. Let's talk some baseball. we got some basketball to talk about, too, but we're going to take uh, our time and get to that a little bit later. So it wasn't the weekend we hoped for. We still answered some questions. You know, some concerns that we had, and I think there are still some questions that have to be answered as well. You remember last year, and when you read Dogpile, you'll you kind of get it. You know, we I, we forget how bad we were offensively the first you know month of the season. It really wasn't a little bit a little bit later that we found kind of found the stroke a little bit and got some things done. We had some clutch wins early on against some teams, and you remember we all said, man, if we'd played an SEC opponent today, we'd gotten beaten, but we didn't. Those non-conference games prepared us for SEC play. We learned out who we could trust. We had some guys in the pitching staff that we had to define some roles with. We had to play with the order. We had to play with the defense. It's going to happen again now. I go back to 2018. You know, we had Gunnar Hall to play, in, uh, you know, playing at the middle, you know, at second. We had some problems there. We finally moved Foscue to second, and everything gelled. Gunnar played some at third. Marshall Gilbert ended up being the starting third baseman down the stretch. But that's the move that we had to make that ultimately led us getting Omaha. We shored up our defensive effort in the middle. You know, last year we had a similar situation. You know, Cam James expected to be the starting shortstop. He slides over to third. We put uh, Lane Forsyth in at short. The infield began to settle. Still didn't quite have it figured out at first. We ended up putting Luke Hancock over there. Then we settled on the infield. Took us a while to kind of get the, um, the left field spot settled. But once we got Cam James in an everyday lineup, it opened up the DH spot for us to put Kellum Clark in there. And so as you guys are maybe are somewhat critical of the lineup now, understand it's all subject to change. And you saw some of that this weekend. You know, Braylon Skinner starts game one. Matt Quarter starts game two and three. And I think right now people would say, hey, no disrespect to anybody else, but based on what we saw from Matt Quarter the last couple of ball games, guy needs to be in the order. He absolutely does. He missed the fall. He's still just kind of getting up to speed now, and he hits the first home run of the season. And we're going to talk about that a little more in the show. But, again, this is not a finished product. And as Chris Lamonis has shown you, I mean, he's not going to pick a starting nine and ride with it all year. He is willing to make the change. He is willing to make the adjustment in season. So this will not be any different. They, he, You'd like to find it sooner rather than later. Uh, but the reality of it is, is that they will make the change. All right, let's talk about Friday's game first. And I know we didn't do hardly anything offensively in this game. The story of this game, Landon Sims. We all wondered how would he handle it? You know, would he making the move from the back end to the front end? He was absolutely outstanding. And sadly, he gets tagged with a loss in this ball game. Let's take a quick look here. So you get Latrell, who is their, their hoss. You get him swinging. You get Pepe swinging. We give up an infield hit. And then we get a, a strikeout swing. And so you strike out the side around a, uh, an infield single there. A lot of soft contact against Landon Sims, which is what you'd expect until late. 
Bottom of the first, State goes one, two, three in the inning. And, and I'll be honest with you, and I, after a couple of innings, I was thinking to myself, I'd rather be Mississippi State than be Long Beach State because we were putting the ball in play. And you think, okay, we'll be a little more confident the next time through. We'll have an opportunity uh, to make some things happen here. Didn't pan out that way, but that's kind of how it felt early on. There was this moment, too, uh, in the top of the second when uh, you know Morello hits a pop fly in foul territory, and Luke Hancock settles under it, and then Morello basically trucks Luke Hancock. Now, I am a baseball justice guy, but Morello should have been ejected from the game. Oh, Steve, you're being too critical. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. The fielder has the right of passage on that play. He is protected as the fielder. And so it is the duty of the runner to evade contact. Not only did he not evade contact, he initiated contact and lowered his shoulder and ran through Luke. Uh, And that's one of the reasons that uh, Chris Lomonos was so upset, I'm certain. But the reality of it is he stays in the ballgame and uh, had a really good series. I mean, just to give the kids some props, guy's an outstanding shortstop, incredible hands over there. Doesn't speed himself up. Anyway, he's out on the play because there's runner interference. Again, I... Agree, he should have been thrown out. And then we get back-to-back strikeouts. So through two innings, we get five Ks. State goes one, two, three in the second. And again, all ground balls. That became a theme as Luis Ramirez did a great job throwing that sinker and getting State out on the front feet. Did a great job having us beat the ball on the ground. And it's here's the thing. You don't see that a lot. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, man, we did this and we did that. You know, listen – we're an SEC team. We like velo. We like to see those guys throwing 95, 96, 97 because we see it all the time. You don't see a lot of junk ball guys that throw a two-seam sinker. You just don't. That's what makes them so effective. It's because people are used to seeing 95, 96, 97, seeing a fastball, wipeout slider, uh, and, and perhaps a change, you know, throwing three pitches for strikes. Well, this guy had a little more tools in the bag. And, again, when there is a novelty situation – a lot of times it takes you a couple times through the order to figure a guy out. But I give him a lot of credit. He was as advertised, if not better. So top of the third, Sims again goes right back to work. A K swinging, K swinging. And the ground out to second on the very first pitch. Very efficient inning. And, you know, you, you like to pitch to contact. But when you've got so much movement on that four-seamer, it's kind of difficult for guys to make contact. Bottom of the third, State goes one, two, three again. Top of four, we get a K, and there's a double down the line, and it sounds a lot worse than it really was. And I thought Saldivar had a really good game uh, for them. But it's basically a little punch and Judy hit that just kind of finds no man's land behind third and short of left field. Kind of dumps it in there. He hustles around the bag and gets into second. And then what does Sims do? Back-to-back Ks. So through four innings, we're absolutely rolling. We get in one, two, three. Ground out, ground out, fly out to center on a 2-0 count. Top of five, we get a K. There's another double down the line. This one's a little more expansive, I guess. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he pulled it just inside the bag. There's a pop-up to first, and thankfully he didn't run to the first baseman. And then there is a fly out uh, to left field. So, again, you know, a lot of soft contact here. Even the double, you know, was it was a hard-hit ball, but it wasn't anything they could elevate. Bottom of five, 
State finally gets a base runner, uh, but then we get a strikeout, a strike, a ground out, and then Kellum Clark walks and really worked the count really quality at bat for him. He actually got down in the count 0-1, worked it back to 2-1, gets 2-2, runs it full, fouls a couple pitches off, and then takes one to get on base. And at this point, you know, it's, um, you know, it's a scoreless game. So that, that really was significant. And then Brad Comba strikes out looking. Got down 0-2, worked it to 2-2, and then gets a K there to end the frame. So through five innings, it is still a scoreless game, and Mississippi State still looking for its first hit. Uh, top of six, we get uh, Latrell grounds out the short. Uh, Rocco Pepe flies out to right. And then there is uh, the single. There was a play at first. They call him safe. They review it. I thought he was safe. Luke Hancock thought he wasn't. Uh, but I didn't think he was in contact with the bag and the ball at the same time. The review withstands. And then for some reason, even though that worked out in their favor, he decides to steal. And then Logan Tanner throws him out so easily that like if you were going to do like Tom Amansky's uh you know baseball videos for catching that would be in it with Fred McGriff up there explaining how Logan Tanner did it exactly right that ends the frame bottom of six that comes up we get a K and then we get another walk Logan Forsyth Lane Forsyth I'm sorry there's a lot of L's on this team uh Lane Forsyth walks on a 3-1 count gets down 0-1 works it and then at this point you're thinking okay we got a chance here. We got a runner on with less than two outs. Let's move him around. Well, then R.J. Yeager puts the ball in play to third, and they force Forsyth at second. Yeager beats it out. Then Yeager's still second. And, again, we've got a chance here with the runner in scoring position, and Cam James grounds out the shortstop. You know, again, a good at bat here. We get down 0-2 and battle back and make it full, and then we can't punch it through. You know, right there, you, you get a base hit, you probably got a lead. We get into the seventh. Things are going great. We get Long to strike out. We get Morello to strike out. And the crowd, I mean, the kid had so much heat, we booed him all weekend. In the very first pitch of the next at bat, Muller's up there, DH, left-handed hitter, and he just jumps all over a fastball. He's looking first pitch fastball. He gets one. He ambushes it and hits it over the right center field wall to give them a one nothing lead. Bottom of seven. You know, at this point, you know, we're, we're, we're done. We're going to depend on our bullpen. Lennon Sims is done. So you can close the book on Landon. But, uh, again, I don't know if anybody can look at that and say, hey, he doesn't need to be the Friday night guy. He, he pitched like a Friday night guy against a top 25 team and goes seven complete innings, allows five hits, and only one of those was really a, a well-hit ball, maybe two, one run, 13 Ks, no walks. What more can you ask for? And just 81 pitches – in seven innings, what that tells me is when we get into April, this is a guy that can probably go eight or nine innings if necessary. He is going to be very pitch efficient. This is a guy that's done that he, he was a starter all of his life until he got here. Some of our people don't fully understand that, but uh, it's not like we're experimenting. We're kind of putting him back where he belongs. Okay, we get Pimentel out of there too. Pimentel gets the uh, the fly out that closes it, and so they bring in Fields in relief of Luis Ramirez. And I'm thinking, okay, finally we got Ramirez out of the ball game. Let's even this thing up. Luke blisters a liner right at the first baseman. Baseball is a fair game. It's often cruel, too. You hit one on the, no- on the nose, but it goes right to somebody. Logan Tanner didn't strikes out swinging. Thought he had a tough first couple of days, too. Then Hunter Hines breaks it up and gets a single to left field. We're so excited and then Hunter overruns first and tries to stretch it into a double, and he is out by about 30 feet. Uh, postgame, Chris Simonis said that he thought the ball was in the corner. He didn't realize the ball had been fielded. 
And uh, not going to defend that. You know, I don't know if that's, that's on the first base coach or on Hunter, but the reality of it is we finally get a hit, and then we let them off the hook and gift them an out. Parker Stanett comes in in the eighth. And I'm not sure how I feel about Parker Stanett. I mean, and, and that's to be fair and honest. I mean, it's like I know he has the hammer curve. I know that he gets some swing and miss. I know he has a great fastball, but the command is not always there. And that was an issue early in his outing this time, too. And this is what we've got to work on. We, Parker Stinnett has to be a guy that can be relied upon and a guy that we can absolutely trust because he's going to have to pitch some big innings. He has incredible stuff. It's just a matter of can we throw it consistently for strikes. So we lead off with a walk, and it was a pretty lengthy at bat. Let the guy go to second on a wild pitch. We get a K looking here, three pitches. And I, I like relievers that come in and don't waste pitches. Then Latrell finally gets to us with a double to left center, chases in the run, makes it 2 nothing Long Beach State. Pepe flies out. Then we hit Saldivar, put him on base, and then long singles, and it pushes uh, Latrell around to he scores, makes it 3 nothing. Bottom of the eighth, we come in, and uh, we fly out to right. We strike out swinging. We bring in Drew McGowan, and then Drew strike, strikes out swinging. Drew actually had a pretty good game on Sunday. Uh, get to the ninth inning, and uh, we've got Stone Simmons in for Parker Stinnett. He gets three Ks. Is he the closer? Don't know. Is he a long reliever? Don't know. But I like the fact that we have a veteran guy back there that uh, I think gives you some options. And I think that is kind of lost in the fact that we lost a ball game. Landon Sims, outstanding. Made one mistake, paid for it. Parker Stinnett had some control issues, gave up a couple runs. Wild pitches usually lead to runs. Hit batsmen usually lead to runs. But then there's Stone Simmons, you know, just kind of quietly does his job here and never even really gets into a disadvantaged count until this last guy, he goes 2-0 and he battles back and, and the next three pitches he's, he's struck him out. So efficient effort for Stone, encouraged by that. Bottom of the ninth, we come up and uh, they bring in Devereaux Harrison, one of the top closers in the in the game. And um, Von Siebert flies out to right. Uh, RJ strikes out swinging and then Cam James grounds out the short and it's over. But pitching didn't lose us this game. I mean, it's so easy to go pick it all apart and say, well, you know, if this didn't happen, no, 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 no. It's never, it's never that easy. Baseball is a team game. You don't get the big hit. You don't make the big pitch. You don't make the big play. You lose. Defensively, I thought we played pretty well. But we didn't swing the bats. We got one hit. That's it. One hit. And then we basically said, oh, excuse us, and we run in a second. I mean, it's just those are the kind of silly things that get you beat. And I understand, listen, we're the NAFL champs. Yeah, but that, you know, that year's over. You got a lot of guys that are asked to contribute this year that aren't part of that. They didn't win the NAFL championship. They may have been in a uniform or may have been uh, on the Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, Boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas. 
is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovis does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tecovis believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Away here, but the reality of it is they weren't part of it. Let's look quickly at game two. Casey Hunt starting this one. I thought he got off to a good start in this ballgame. A couple things here and there. We talk about things that you do to get you beat. Okay, so we get a strikeout swinging, another strikeout swinging, and we're thinking, okay, we're good. We have the single, and then we advance him on a wild pitch to second. Latrell gets a single, and the run scores. So you're going to give up hits occasionally, but you can't give people bases. We don't throw the wild pitch there. It's a nothing-nothing it's a game. The guy's not scoring from first on a single to right. It's not going to happen. Then we get a K and get out of it. So, yeah, he gets three Ks in the first inning, we give up a hit. We compound the problem by moving the guy to second for free. Uh, so we come back and actually get some things going there uh, offensively for ourselves in the bottom of first. R.J. Yeager pops up the short. Cam singles, then Luke singles, and uh, we got runners in second and third here. And this is where I'm thinking, okay, this is where – and I love LT. I'm not talking negatively about LT and whatsoever. But in these RBI situations, we got to get a hit. we got to get a hit. And, and he'll take the same. Got to come through in this situation. Well, we do get we do put ball in play, which allowed us to get the one run home. You know, a single there scores two. But we get a single, and, uh, you know, we drive in the one. We ground out, excuse me, and drive in a run. And then Hunter Hines follows with a single, drives in Luke Hancock. Now it's a 2-1 ball game. Now State has its first lead of the year. We already have more hits and more runs in the first inning than we had the whole previous day. Quarter strikes out swinging, but I think we all thought we're okay. We're like, oh, KC, you know, hey, KC was good enough. He got three Ks. Let's just get ready to go. Well, we open up a second. What do we do? We walk the leadoff hitter. 
I don't know if you guys know this, if you if there are any mathematicians out there, but uh, you know, based on my personal experience, when you walk off when you walk the leadoff hitter, it's like he scores seven hundred and ninety-seven thousand percent of the time. We walk him, then we give up a single, and uh, we compound that. So it was he was gonna beat it and then we throw the ball away. LT just tried to do a little bit too much there. Probably should just hold it. You know, maybe you pump fake or whatever and try to get the runner, you know, coming around second. We throw the ball away. And uh, next thing you know, they got runners at second and third with nobody out. Well, they're going to score, right? I mean, you traditionally, when you get runners at second and third and nobody out, probably about 75% of the time you're going to get a run home, whether it be on a ground ball or a sack fly or a wild pitch. You're going to get somebody home. It doesn't always work. It didn't always work for us either on Sunday. But – Reality of it is, when you get two guys in a scoring position with less than two outs, with usually with no outs, you're going to get a run home. Well, they do. Burns grounds out to short, and uh, the run scores. Now it's a 2-2 ball game. We're thinking, okay, let's survive this. And then Pimentel, the nine-hole hitter, hits a two-run home run. Now it's a 4-2 ball game. We get a fly out or ground out, we're out of the inning. But you're like, there's a lot of ball game left to be played. We come up in the second, and uh, Cumbus gets – so, Kellum Clark grounds out, and then, and then Brad Cumbus gets a single back up the middle, and then Brad's still second. So, now all of a sudden, we have the, the tying run at the plate and a runner in score position with less than two outs. Well, what do we do? Back-to-back Ks. Can't do that. You can't have you can't have back-to-back Ks. And I know it's a nine-hole hitter, and then it's a leadoff hitter. And, RJ, I, I think you're asking a little bit much to have him leading off, and we did correct that later. But my hope is he'll get it going because RJ Yeager is a great player for us, and I think he's going to have a big year for us. But when you get a runner in scoring position with less than two outs, somebody's got to put the ball in play. We don't. And you know what? We don't score. Uh, we get into the third, and uh, Casey's still hanging around. We give up a single, but we get a fly out, a strikeout, another single, but we hold him at second, and then we get a ground out to Luke to get out of the inning. Bottom of third, again, we have some real opportunities here. We cash in a little bit, but we let him off the hook. And, and listen, I, I, at this point, I, I had told Steph, our uh, writer from the uh, Doe Journal, I had told him, I said, this starter, Marcus Johnson, is not going to make it past third or fourth inning because he could not consistently throw his breaking ball for a strike and stay, was able to stay on the fastball. And, again, it's a people say, oh, he throws 95-96. Great. That's what we want. We'd rather see those guys than those, uh, you know, G5 guys throwing 85. We got one of those a little bit later too. But um, Cam gets a single. And then we go to second on a wild pitch. Then Luke Hancock grounds out to second, but it pushes Cam a third. LT grounds out to short, but Cam scores. We manufacture a run there on just the one hit. Then they walk Hunter Hines, quarter singles to center. Now we've got runners at the corners. And Kellum Clark is a guy that we expect to be a big part of our offense. He didn't have a big weekend. He didn't. I have a lot of faith in him, as you guys should as well. You saw down the stretch last year. We don't win the College World Series without Kellum Clark. I'm not worried about him getting going. He did not have, you know, a great preseason for us. He had a good fall, didn't have a great preseason for us. But he will get going. The guy has too much ability. But in this situation, he didn't come through. With a tying run there at third, we can't get it done. You know, you know, a ball in the gap there, we might score two runs. But we don't come through there. But we're within a run. And now we're thinking, okay, we got a shot. We got a shot here. We bring Casey back out. He walks a leadoff guy. Then we bring in Cam Tuller. And I, 
Cam Teller, I think, is a is a matchup guy. I don't know that he is a guy that can consistently get you a couple innings. Um, I like him lefty on lefty a lot. But uh, this is a guy at times, too, that struggles some with control. And, and we're going to have to have him come along because at some point you're going to have to match up with a left-hander late in the ballgame. There are a lot of people that are going to stack left-handers against a right-handed pitcher. So you, hey, then all of a sudden you put the lefty out there and you can chew those guys up. So we're going to need Cam to figure it out. Well, then he compounds the situation, walks the first guy he sees. Niners runners at first and second, nobody out. We give up a single. And, again, this is one of those uh, – it should have been an error. You know, we mishandle it. They run the bunt here to move the guys over to second and third. And we throw it, and it hits the first base umpire, which is the only reason people didn't score. Then we give up an infield hit. You know, it gets through there, and uh, <clears throat> they get a couple runs. And it's a 6-3 ball game now. And, again, it's another bunt, sacrifice. We actually played this one correctly. And this is where I, you know, Cam took charge here. And maybe I could argue Cam probably should have taken charge on the earlier one, uh, the one that Cam mishandled and threw away. But I did like Cam's aggressiveness here. We go and make the play. Then we get the K of trail, and, and we think, okay, we're going to get out of this thing. And we give up a double to left center and two runs scored. At this point, I think we all felt like the ball game was probably over. But there was more to come. There was more to come. We finally get out of that inning. We come back in the fourth. And, again, there's a lot of baseball left. And we've knocked their starter out of the ballgame. But Noble was outstanding. Jack Noble really kept us off balance. Pitched a lot backwards. Uh, we get a hit from Brad Combust, an infield hit. Then Forsyth flies out to center. Jaeger flies out to left. Cam walks. And uh, – then we get a short pop-up out there left field that the shortstop runs down. You know, and Luke will tell you, you got to come through there. There's a reason, you know, he's hitting where he's hitting in the order. He was hitting three-hole that night. But, you know, that this is a guy that we're going to expect him to be an RBI guy for us. But, again, we can't get the big hit. And when you're down five runs, you got to get the big hit to climb back in the ballgame. All right, we bring in Preston Johnson for Cam. He goes right to work. It's a K, a pop-up, and a K. We're right back in the dugout. Uh, Logan Tanner singles off the pitcher. And then Hunter strikes out looking, quarter strikes out swinging, and then Kellen Clark pops up through second baseman. So, again, we get a guy, get the leadoff runner on, and then we don't get the ball out of the infield. That, that dog just won't hunt. Uh, top of the sixth, we get a pop-up from uh, Pepe. Great baseball name. Told you guys, Rocco Pepe, a great baseball name. Also a good baseball player, too. He pops up a third. We walk long. Latrell walks. Now, all of a sudden, we get runners at first and second with one down, one out. We get Ramirez to K looking. We walk Morello to load the bases, and then we get a K. And so, sometimes that's kind of the Preston Johnson experience. You know, sometimes he'll give you a clean ending, and the next thing you know is his command leaves him a little bit, but he has the ability to find it. And he did here and kind of mitigates the, the situation. We get out of it with no uh, no run scored. Bottom of six, after we've wiggled off the hook there, you think, okay, let's get going. And what do you know? It's Brad Compass doubling, doubling the left field to open the inning. So here we are again, a runner in scoring position with nobody out. Let's just get him around, right? Well, we get a strikeout swinging. We line out to center. Can't tag on that. And then we strike out swinging. So, again, another opportunity to climb back in this thing we don't execute. All it took is one of those three guys to get a base hit. We get a run. We didn't do it. Top of seven. We get a strikeout swinging. We get a walk. The guy's still second. 
uh, and then we we get a fielder's choice situation here, and uh, on, you know on the bunt, and then uh, we strike out Pepe, and so top of seven we're still in it. We got to get something going here. We got three, four, five up. Luke grounds out. LT strikes out, and uh, we reach on the fielding error, and then again run ourselves into an out. Doesn't work out well for us. All right, top of eight. At this point, the game's over. Long hits the dinger to left field, makes it 9-3. At this point, it's really academic. But instead, Preston Johnson didn't quit, strikes out the side. We're bottom eight. We get back in. They bring in a relief pitcher, uh, Klo, in, in place of Noble, and then we pop up the bunt. It was just one of those crazy things. We pop it right up, and the catcher's coming out of his stance to go field it, and he just kind of one-hands it. Uh, Clark pops up and out, and then Combus pops up and out. So we have one, two, three right here. We don't get the ball out of the infield. Top of nine, we bring in Jack Walker to make his Mississippi State debut. He gives up a double to left field. We get a ground out to the pitcher. Then there's a wild pitch. There's a walk, a single to first base, run, run scores, wild pitch, ground out to first, moves the runner around, and then we give up another home run. That's 13-3. So, you know, not a great start for Jack Walker, but I think Jack Walker is going to be a great pitcher for us. Uh, you, people forget, as dominant as Landon Sims was, his first outing, he was terrible. Terrible. He'll tell you himself. The nerves get to you a little bit. They'll be better for the experience. And there are some guys out there that are scared to get hit. And that's the thing I'll say about Jack Walker. While he was not at the height of his game, I respect the fact the guy went out there and challenged hitters. He didn't go out there and just kind of get cute. It's like you know, he did walk the one guy, but it's like, you know, hey, I'm going to go out here and pound the zone. If they hit me, they hit me. And they did. They did hit him. And, but he'll be better for the experience. They'll get him in a lab. We'll watch it a little bit, kind of get going. Bottom of the nine, they make a bunch of defensive changes. Uh, we bring in um, Tanner Leggett, who strikes out swinging. We bring in Mesh, uh, who grounds out first. Bring in Slate Offer, who flies out left. Ball game's over. And it was miserable. And at this point, social media and the message boards were all on fire. People were angry. And I don't blame them. I was too. I wasn't panicking. I was disappointed. Uh, but the reality of it is, is that, um, you know, ball game didn't go the way we wanted. Let's get into game three real quick. This one worked out much better for the home team. Cade Smith, that's his story. As a matter of fact, let's take this time. We're going to name Cade Smith our Prime Shrimp Player of the Weekend. You guys are familiar with that, right? You know, last week we had a nice incentive for you. The Prime Shrimp Player of the Week, it's Cade Smith, pitcher. Gave us a great, 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 great start. Proud to partner with the New Orleans-based Prime Shrimp to bring you guys delicious, easy-to-cook shrimp, and you can get delivered straight to your door from Prime Shrimp. They've been peeling shrimp in New Orleans since the 1940s, they're proud to debut an exciting new product for you to serve restaurant-quality shrimp at home in under 10 minutes with none of the usual fuss of cooking. You know, you don't have to devein these shrimp. You don't have to peel them. You just drop the pouch into the boiling pot, and the pre-seasoned shrimp is ready to go in 10 minutes or less. you got a meal ready. Whether you want to serve it on a bed of rice, put it on some noodles, whatever you'd like to do, they get you taken care of. Order at primeshrimp.com. Get it delivered straight to your door. And uh, use our promo code BONEYARD to unlock some savings for you. Try it today with a risk-free purchase. If you don't love it, you get your money back. Again, that's primeshrimp.com. All right, so let's get into game three here. 
I thought we had a little more ferocity to us. And I think, you know, you know, Kate Smith plunks Pepe, the first guy he sees. And there was like these groans in the grandstand thinking, oh, my gosh, here we go. I can't tell you that I wasn't wondering the same thing, too. But rather than be, you know, kind of a harbinger of things to come, it was really not indicative of the rest of the day. I thought Kate was outstanding. So he, we, we get a fielder's choice there. We nearly turned the double play. We just couldn't quite get – it wasn't hit hard enough, I don't think, and we didn't get a really smooth turn at second. Uh, so they get it. But then we get a strikeout swinging. We get a fly out to center. We're out of the inning. Bottom of one, we've got Cam James leading off. And I really kind of liked him in the two-hole, to be honest with you. I didn't know that I would. But I like having some speed. You know, R.J. Yeager is pretty fleet of foot, too. I like having a little speed ahead of Luke Hancock and Logan Tanner. If I've got Jaeger and Cam on and I get a ball in the gap, there's a good chance both of them are going to score. So I like that the way that that lineup sets up. But I think, you know, moving Cam up there maybe got some things going. He had some really good ABs. Even though he struck out swinging, he got down, oh, to worked his way back and competed. I think he learned a lot from that, too. And, of course, they're throwing, you know, another starter, another another high velo guy. Hancock walks. Tanner strikes out swinging, but it was an incredible at bat. I think it goes nine, ten pitches. Strikes out swinging. I think they got him on a slider. But the reality of it is LT's a tough guy when he really kind of puts his mind to it. He's like, you know what, you're not going to give me out. And this just kind of seemed like he got caught guessing a little bit. But uh, it was a good at bat. And then Hines strikes out swinging. We go back out, and Cade Smith gets him one, two, three. Bottom of second, state breaks through. R.J. Yeager walks. R.J. hitting fifth, and I thought that was good for him. Let him kind of get in the flow of the game a little bit. He walks, and another a good at bat. We get a foul, we get a ball, a ball, we get a strike looking, and then we, we, we work the count full, and we get the walk. And then the very first pitch that uh, Quarter sees, he throws it completely out of the stadium it was one of those things you had to see and i know that the the social media stuff shows it but it still doesn't really i think do it justice he absolutely grabs this baseball with that bat i mean it was like it looked like one of those brent rooker shots in the old stadium it's like you just you see it off the bat and you just wonder where it's going to come down it was an incredible home run and uh, he salutes the student section uh, out in right field as he uh, makes a turn between first and second. Cumbus and strikes out swinging. And, again, Brad had a good day on uh, on Saturday. I think Brad's going to beat us fine. Kellen Clark strikes out swinging and uh, looked a little frustrated at the plate. And, and he he's scuffing a little bit, but he's going to be fine. Uh, Forsyth singles to center field. Good to see Lane get some things going. I don't know if, if we had a play on here and we just blew it, but uh, Lane gets thrown out at second. It really wasn't that that close. Uh, top of third, Cade goes right back out. We get back-to-back outs, and then Pepe gets a single. Rocco Pepe, remember the name. But we get a fly out to center to get out of the deal, mitigate the damages a little bit. And then Cade really went to work after that. Uh, bottom of third, State builds on the lead a little bit. Cam James gets the infield hit, still second. Goes to third on a balk, and there was a balk. Luke, a rarity, strikes out swinging. And, again, that's a full-count deal. I mean, he works it, works it, works it, and then they get him. Uh, Logan Tanner then grounds out the short, gets a run home. Ground ball scores a run. We all win. And then Hines strikes out swinging. And, again, a, a lengthy count here. It's at this point you kind of felt like uh, Juwan Watts-Brown wouldn't be around long. 
he's getting a little bit deeper in the counts and having trouble finishing the players. Kate Smith gets him one, two, three. We're back to work there in the fourth. Jaeger gets a single. Quarter walks. Again, a long count here. They end up pulling him, bringing in Jake Rines. Uh, quarter goes to second. Jaeger to third on a wild pitch. And here, again, we talk about this. Even though we won this ball game, these are the things that get you beat. You got a runners at second and third and nobody out. Runners at second and third, nobody out. And we don't get the ball out of the infield until the inning is over. Ground ball to third. Ball hit pretty well at third base and made a really good play there. Nearly gets a runner at third and throws Cumbus out. But because it was hit directly at the third baseman, we weren't going on contact there. Kellerman strikes out. Lengthy at bat. Full count situation, but he ends up striking out swinging. We can't, we can't score the run. And then Lane Forsythe flies out the right field. So, again, two guys on, scoring position, nobody out, and we can't, we can't get the run home. It can't happen. you got to elevate a baseball somewhere. you got to make something happen. you got to have situational hitting here. And you got to go up there thinking, okay, what's the best team play here? Let me find something I can elevate, get this run home. We don't do it. We had three guys who were up to plate. We didn't do it. Uh, Long Beach State comes back in the fifth. McGowan goes in for Callum. I didn't even ask uh, Chris about that in the postgame. I just, maybe I didn't feel like it was appropriate because uh, Drew actually had a couple nice uh, hits in the ballgame. Callum is going to be a big part of our lineup. And anybody out there like, oh, Steve, no, just relax. Relax. It's one weekend. Uh, we get Rosales looking. They bring in a pinch hitter. We strike him out swinging. And then we get a line out the center. And uh, this is when life changed for Long Beach State. This is when they really kind of saw Mississippi State for who we really are and who I think we can be. Began to really string some hits together. So they hit Cam James on a full count. They had a tough time keeping him off the bases. Uh, for some reason, we reviewed this. I don't know what the, the coach was asking for. I mean, either it's a foul ball or it's a, or it's a hit by pitch. It hit something. There was no question that it hit something. But either way, you're not getting out. Um, Hancock singles to right field in. We move the runner around. LT comes through. It rips a nice center up left center. Now the bases are loaded. Hines gets a big hit back up the middle. Drives in two runs to five the ball game. And just kind of felt like the way Cade was pitching, we're going to be okay. Uh, they didn't walk Jaeger to load the bases. They bring in Volker to replace Rines. Quarter gets a single. Drives in a run. Cumbus singles through the left side, drives in a run. They change pitchers again. McGowan singles through the right side, drives in two runs. Forsyth K's, and then Cam James comes in uh, with the sack fly RBI. That's what we were talking about. I'm coming up with a guy at third, less than two outs. I got to get the ball in play. I got to elevate something somewhere and get this run home. That's exactly what happens. Good situational hitting by Cam there. And then Luke flies out to left. But, you know, it's, it's now a seven-run inning. And Cade has been in that dugout kind of stewing and getting stiff. So that's just kind of how life is sometimes. And uh, I don't think he minded that much. He goes back out there, walks the first guy, gets a fly out, gets a line out. And uh, you could kind of tell then that he was losing control a little bit. You know, and here's the thing about Cade Smith that I love. And you know, number one, if we had had a regular draft back in 2020, he is in the minor leagues right now. Well, I guess not technically because they hadn't, you know, finished up the CBA. But my point being is that, Kate Smith, under normal circumstances, wouldn't be here. This is COVID sent Kate Smith to Mississippi State. He's a Mississippi State guy, but because we only had a five-round draft that year, he didn't get picked. But here is what Kate Smith has. And if you've been around baseball for a while, we talk about, you know, like one of the knocks on Kumar Rocker. And I love Kumar's ability to compete. I love his stuff. But people have always told me he's going to be a guy that's somewhat injury-prone. 
because he overthrows a lot, and mechanically he can be a mess. He doesn't have a repeatable delivery. You, Kate Smith is like a machine. Jack Leiter was like that too. And I'm not going to sit here and say Kate Smith's going to be Jack Leiter. That wouldn't be fair. My point being is that when you have a repeatable delivery, when you follow the same arm path over and over and over again, and you can adjust the grip, and you don't have to alter your arm speed and things like that to make the ball move the way you want it to, you can play baseball a long time. That's what Cade Smith is. Cade Smith is a dude. He absolutely is. And Cade Smith's going to win a lot of baseball games here at Mississippi State, provided he stays healthy. But this is a guy, watch him the next time he pitches. He doesn't tip pitches. He is always in the same arm slot, whether it be the fastball, the slider, or the changeup. This is a guy that's going to get SEC hitters out. You might as well get ready. And I looked it up today, too, when I was writing my article about him. Didn't give up a hit or a run in the postseason. You can say, well, see how much did he pitch. He pitched in the SEC tournament. I think he's the only pitcher that didn't give up runs in the SEC tournament. He pitched in the Super Regional. He pitched in Omaha. You know, he got a handful of games there in the postseason. Cade Smith has the ability to be a shutdown guy for us on the weekend. So now you start thinking, okay, we went to the weekend, wondered about all this stuff. And now all of a sudden, you know, based on one week's work, you feel really good about Landon Sims, and you feel really good about Kate Smith. And I don't feel bad about Casey Hunt either. I don't, I don't want to say that in a way that you think, oh, well, no. Because I, I think he did some good things, and I think he'll be better for the experience. There's a lot of nerves involved with all this stuff too, and he was fantastic in the fall, 15-1 to 1 strike out to walk ratio. All right, so we bring in Brandon Smith. Uh, and kind of a surprise to see him get elevated the very first pitch. But he the first pitch of the year, right? He, he's a guy that usually keeps the ball down with good sink. We give up a double, gets a run home. Then there's a single, gets a run home. And then we finally get out of the inning. It's 10-2. to uh, And Brandon hadn't had a, you know, a great offseason either. But, uh, you know, we're kind of tinkering a little bit, I guess you could say. But uh, we're going to need Brandon to get some good innings for us. You know, bottom of six, state answers right back. Logan Tanner gets a single. We get the uh, – Hines hits a baseball. He's out at first. We moved, you know, moved the runner along there. And then uh, Tanner Leggett pitch hits for R.J. Yeager. And then the third pitch he sees, he hits a two-run home run. So now it's a 12-2 ball game. Um, and then quarter grounds out, compass grounds out, you know, right of the inning. Uh, top of seven, they get a lot of pinch hitters in. White gets a single. There's a fielder's choice. We get an out there. There's a walk. Jimenez strikes out. Roselle singles. And then the run scores. It's 12-3, and then we get Carlson out. And at this point, it's really kind of academic. Now we're just kind of emptying the benches a little bit. Uh, Drew McGowan comes in with a leadoff single. Forsyth hits into the double play. Cameron James singles to second base. Hancock singles. And then uh, Logan Tanner flies out the center. Uh, eighth inning, similar situation. A lot of people moving around here. But um, you get an infield single. Uh, Castillo then strikes out looking. Porter strikes out looking. Uh, White hits into the fielder's choice. We retire the runner there at second. It's 12-3. And at this point, you know, State's just trying to, you know, get some guys some at-bats ourselves. Uh, Von Siebert comes in, singles back up the middle. His first Bulldog hit. Uh, Luggett grounds out to third, but we do get the runner to second. Skinner comes in, strikes out swinging. Uh, on a four, If I'm not mistaken, it was um, – I think they got him on a changeup away. Really wasn't a competitive swing, and we're going to need Bray to be better than that. Uh, then Jess Davis comes in, lies out the right field. That's the thing, too. Jess Davis transfers in from UAB to compete for that spot in center. And you look at it right now, and you would argue, could easily say he is the third-team center, the third-team center fielder right now. 
He'll play some other games too. Don't get me wrong. But the reality of it is, is that he came in, and then you know now when you let's see what quarter's done, you got to keep quarter out there. Uh, top of the night again, kind of wholesale changes here. Harrison doubles to left center. Lopez strikes out swinging. Anderson singles. Uh, they score the run. It's unearned, and then um, get a fly out, a ground out. And the game's over. So we salvaged something. But uh, the reality of it is, is in this ball game, I think we probably learned more about who we are. And I really, if you take the, the full expanse of the weekend, after you pull Landon Sims, you give up the one run there. It's like, well, you know, in Parkerson, I give up a couple runs. But, guys, we're, we're not going to win many games scoring two runs. We didn't score any. But if we're going to give up three runs a game, we're going to win more games than we lose. So, game one is absolutely on the offense. And you tip your cap to Luis Ramirez, who was outstanding. But that entire bullpen was good, too. And, and listen, that's kind of West Coast pitching, too. You know, you've got a few power arms out there. There's a lot of junk ballers on the West Coast. That's what they do. In the SEC, we're more power pitchers down here. And so when we see these, uh, you know, crafty junk ballers from out West, it's going to be a challenge at times for us. Game two, you know, we had some things kind of fall apart. The score looks worse than maybe the game was for a while. You know, that's one of those games you look at and say, well, they, they scored some runs late. They kind of made the game look maybe worse than it was. In my mind, this is a game of missed opportunities. You know, I don't, I don't look at um, – I don't look negatively at Casey Hunt. I didn't think Cam Teller pitched well. He'll tag you the same. You know, that, that's really where a lot of the runs are. I mean, you, you look at, you know, Casey Hunt leaves, leaves a ball game and uh, it's still a competitive game, and then Cam goes up three, and even then the game wasn't completely out of reach, but, you know, Preston Johnson comes in and goes four innings, but he has four walks, you know, three in one inning. You know, that's got to get better. And you know what you've got in Preston. You do. Uh, nine Ks, you know, he's a guy that can get himself in and out of trouble. And then Jack Walker, of course, his Bulldog debut. And so, you know, the thing that I look at with that and say, okay, we got Casey Hunt. What if, what if Preston's the first guy out of the pen there? You know, it may be a different score, but the reality of it is, again, three runs in a ball game. You know, if, if we're going to score three runs a game, we're not going to win a whole lot. If we can hold people to three or less, we're going to win a whole lot. So, you know, I was more disappointed in the offense. And we talked about, you know, how many competitive challenges we had and how many times we couldn't get the timely hit. Well, that, that wasn't the case on Sunday, right? I think we know that now we for sure have two bona fide weekend starters based on a week of work, Right. Is KC the guy next week? Don't know. I don't think that he pitched poorly. I think there are a couple times there are pitches he'd like to have back. But I'm not ready to give up off the guy off one start. And, again, I thought he went out there and competed and got some swing and miss. You know, we got to eliminate the wild pitches. And sometimes when guys have, you know, you know, wild breaking stuff, there's going to be some of that stuff. You're going to have to kind of deal with some of that. But the reality of it is uh, I don't feel as bad about the weekend today as I did yesterday. You know, and as bad as the Saturday game was, I was like, you know, this is kind of part of it. You know, what stinks the worst is the first game, is to get a sparkling start like we got from Landon Sims and not give him any run support. Zero. And we bounced back a little bit yesterday. You know, take some time to get punched in the mouth. And we need to play a baseball game tomorrow. I know they're, they're trying to find a way to get that game in against Arkansas Pine Bluff. We need to get some guys some innings. You know, Fristo's a guy, Pico Cone's a guy. Uh, Andrew Walling's a guy. We got to get those guys, you know, some uh, some innings. 
And I go back to it, and again, I'm not trying to, to throw shots at anybody, but this will, that, that's how it'll come across to some people. But I remember, you know, there's always, everybody has a source, or they're in a group text, and there's a guy that texts them that dated a girl that worked in like a, you know, in the custodian department at Mississippi State, and they saw something on somebody's desk, and they shared it with a friend, and next thing you know, it's in your inbox. And they were telling everybody about Andrew Walling, and we have tried to explain since he's been here that he has kind of been up and down. And some people were like, oh, no, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be a big leaguer. And he may be. But they said, oh, he's going to log down that Saturday spot. At no point has he had that Saturday spot secured. And he hadn't pitched yet. Uh, I hope that we get to see him on Tuesday. And you go look at the control numbers. You know, he has basically been in the fall and in the early spring kind of what he was before. He's a guy that has, you know, he's kind of like Eric Sarantola. He's got all the skills. The next thing you know, he'll throw, you know, a couple fastballs right by people, and you're thinking, man, you know, just lay it up there anywhere, and then we walk a guy, you know. And so that's what they're working through. So we're going to need him to get it right because we're going to need him uh, to uh, to contribute in a major way. All right, time for today's top ten list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R, CloseWithBlair.com. He's my friend. He's your friend. He is a friend in the industry, and that is the mortgage industry. You know, it's a complicated process a lot of times, you know, kind of getting all that together. If you've never done it, let me prepare you for it. It's not fun. The end result is great when you get approved and you get to move into your new home or you refinance, you're able to pay off all these nagging bills. All of that is really fun. But it is also a very complicated and convoluted process. It pays to have a friend in the industry that can kind of hold your hand the whole way through. That friend is Blair Chandler. And by listening to this show, we're going to save you a little money. You tell Blair you heard about him on the boneyard. It doesn't matter who you cheer for. It doesn't matter if you like me. It doesn't matter if you love me. It doesn't matter if you hate me. You mention to him you heard about it on the boneyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. A lot of fees associated with getting a mortgage approved. Blair's going to save you a little cash just by being a boneyard listener. Let me give you his personal number. It's 601-500-2344. Again, it's 601-500-2344. Works for Fairway Mortgage, 21 years in the industry, top 1% close ratio in the country. So you got a winner working for you. You got the top guy from the top company because Fairway Mortgage recently voted number one in customer satisfaction in the mortgage experience. How about that? Again, it's 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. Close with Blair.com. Top 10 list. Uh, Like you guys, I love the walk-ups at Dirty Noble Field. And I'll be honest with you, last year I thought we didn't have a whole lot to choose from. I really didn't like a lot of them. I really didn't. So today we're going to do my favorites. And then Wednesday we're going to do country. Right? So we're going to do some rock and rap today but i'm not going to do the whole week long thing because like last time the the rap stuff absolutely tanked it's like everybody in the music industry tells me oh rap's selling big and then i see these people you know we do the numbers and it doesn't turn out so rap's not working well with you and then uh, i see people that live well in rock and rap music videos that don't live well in life and so it's kind of like all these instagram models right okay so let's get uh let's get to it Top 10 2020 walkouts, rock and rap. I didn't do Intergalactic by the Beastie Boys. I thought about it. But there's just so many great great classic rock songs uh, here to choose from. 
So number 10, R.J. Yeager walks out to John Cougar at Mellencamp's Heard So Good. He was Johnny Cougar back then. I guess just John Cougar back then. Heard So Good, a classic song. R.J. Yeager wasn't even um, a thought yet when this song was released. But here he is bringing some John Cougar to Duty Noble Field. We thank you for that, R.J. Number nine, I'd like to know the story behind this one. I really would. I'd like to know the story behind this one. Maybe we'll find out. Matt Quarter has uh, Take Me Home Tonight from Eddie Money. And the way that he's playing right now, the way that he's swinging the bat, I don't know that I want everybody to have an Eddie Money song as a walk-up. Maybe that's the case. If, if, if he gets hot and stays hot, I think everybody should pick a song of the Eddie Money catalog, and that'd be because we got to get hot. I like it. Quarter, thanks for bringing it. Number eight, I could have gone a lot of different directions here. Really could. And um, you know, number eight, though, I went with uh, Brooks Auger, who was outstanding in his Bulldog debut. It's Back in Black from ACDC. Number eight on your list, Back in Black, ACDC, Brooks Auger. Number seven, we haven't heard it yet, but uh, Jackson Fristo has changed his uh, walkout song to Iron Man by Black Sabbath. I, I, I can respect it. I can. He may, get, he may be the starter on Tuesday. Maybe. Uh, number six, I wanted to break up the ACDC songs. I went with Taylor Montiel's selection, Hell's Bells from ACDC. It's a great song. It's great for us because like we like bells. But also, too, I think it's kind of ominous. And it was a guy's coming out of the bullpen, a guy's warming up. It makes perfect sense, you know, that he would have uh, something fun like that, Hell's Bells. Uh, number five, LT changed his two. I like it. I, I love – everybody knows the very first album – you know, the first Beasties album, License to Ill. Uh, I think that's right. Yeah, License to Ill. But uh, it's Make Some Noise from the Beastie Boys for, for LT. And I dig it. Number five, I think people should get behind that. Uh, number four, and we're getting in some classic songs here for sure, too. Uh, number four, Cam Teller comes out to Detroit Rock City, which has one of the most recognizable bass lines in the history of rock and roll. Gene Simmons really laid it down on that track. I dig it. Detroit Rock City is number four. Uh, number three, I had a chance to sign a book for this young man's family over the weekend. Signed a handful of books for his family, as a matter of fact. And I had to sign one of the player himself. His mom buys a book. I write it to my guy, Landon Sims. Thanks for being a bulldog. Still the night forever. That's right. Still the night from Whitesnake. I could make an argument this is the best one because of what it means to all. Because when you hear that song, it's like, oh, my gosh. And, and listen, to you marketing people, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going to speak right now on behalf of all Mississippi State fans that attend ball games through Noble Field. And I understand you got to get the ads in. I do. I, I have to deal with that myself. But when Landon Sims is warming up, we want to hear David Coverdale on Whitesnake. We don't want to hear the PA announcer. We don't want to hear some jingle. We don't want to hear some preconceived ad. No. When Landon Sims is on the bump warming up, we want to hear Whitesnake. Not just because we love Whitesnake, and we all do. We all love David Coverdale, the soulful sounds of David Coverdale. But that song ignites the stadium, and it ignites our best pitcher. So I don't want him out there, you know, pitching to, you know, a Morris Bardad or whatever it is, or Anthony Schwartz or whatever. No, I want my guy pitching to his song, to Whitesnake. That is what needs to happen. Number two. Jack Walker, 
Didn't have a great first outing, but his first impression at Mississippi State was wonderful because he walks out the Rocky like a hurricane from the Scorps. You guys know how I feel about the Scorps. I've seen them live. If you have not, you have missed out on life. Scorpions are incredible live. you got to check them out. Rocky like a hurricane, one of the greatest rock songs of all time. And it is, it is anthemic, and it is timeless. And I appreciate Jack for bringing that out. I was just a kid myself. I was younger than Jack when his song came out. I'm from the 1900s, kids. Number one, and you knew, you knew it had to be this one. It's Kickstart My Heart by the crew, Pico Con, and we'll get to hear that hopefully this week. Uh, hopefully we get to play a ball game tomorrow, and we'll get to hear see Pico pitch, and we'll get to hear Motley Crue at Dirty Noble Field. When I was a kid, there was no chance. As a teenager, there was no chance I didn't play a Motley Crue at Dirty Noble Field. They, they would have burned the stadium down along with all the albums and all of our T-shirts, and they'd have cut our mullets off and thrown them into the fire because we were the spawn of Satan because we listened to Motley Crue. And now we can go out there and kids wear Motley Crue shirts and, uh, you know, the players themselves, and I get to pick them as their walk-ups. A lot has changed. That's when people say, oh, you know, Steve, we got so far to go. Yes, we do. You do not know from whence we have come. It's true. There you go. That's your top ten walkout. So Wednesday, I'm going to break down the country stuff. Guarantee you're going to hear a Hardy song on that list. There you go. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out. Let me know. I had some people tell me over the weekend, Steve, you need to do Frank Sinatra. You know, I've had a lot of requests for that. We'll think about it. All right. So if you have ideas, reach out. Let me know or find Roy at Dogmatic67 on Twitter and Spotify. All right. Let's get into some men's basketball. This segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark. Longtime sponsors of the show. I love them. They love me. Uh, they will love you just as much. Well, maybe not quite as much. I'm pretty awesome. Uh, but they will love on you a little bit. And uh, I get to go see them whenever I want to. And you can too when you're in town. If you can't make it to town, let me encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete absolutely incomplete again campusbookmart.net promo code bsr went in there the other day and got some more merch i think i've probably spent more money there uh than any of you i, I really do I, I really do and matter of fact they got the new dude collection uh i got the dude 21 hoodie it's fabulous comfortable looks great it looks kind of vintage and aged like these old gym shorts the, the the decal on the old gym shorts we had to wear back in the 1900s. It's great. Check them out. The Dude Collection now available at campusbookmart.net. Okay, men's basketball. We win a big ball game, and I hate to say it this way, but it's like almost more of a relief than it is, you know, enjoyment. But, man, what a great play down the stretch. Shaquille Moore. You know, and here's the thing, too. People say, well, you know, we won. We still got a chance. We do. We absolutely do. That said, the trajectory of the program leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, we, but here's the deal. We hadn't won on the road. We do here. We, and that's the thing we talked about on the show. We've got to find a way to win on the road to make our NCAA tournament dreams a reality. Pick up our first road win of the year. And it's so difficult, too. And I, we talked about it on the show last week, you know, having to play those guys back-to-back. And we blew them out Friday. 68-49, no doubt about it. So we win that one and come back and we play them at their place. So it's a quick turnaround. But also, too, they've seen your sets. They've had time to prepare. 
They know what you want to do offensively. And then you got to go to their place. It is so difficult to beat a team back-to-back games. It is. Unless that you are just, you know, superiorly talented. And, and I did think we're more, a little more talented than them. But they played pretty well. We missed some open shots, but down the stretch, we made it happen. Let's take a quick look at that. I'm not going to review both games. We'll just kind of look at the second one. Uh, now we're here on a modest seven-game winning streak. But State, 31-23 lead at the break. We're outscored in the second half, but we hang on. And, and really, we talk about the final four minutes. I thought we played with some urgency we haven't shown recently down the stretch. And that's what you expect to see with some of the leadership. I mean, and again, you know, it's like somebody makes a big basket right around the four-minute mark, and you begin to think, okay, here we go again. Well, you know, sure enough, they do. They make the big three. Jerron Coleman rams at home at 341 to go. Really got their, their, what there was of a crowd there on their feet, what they call a crowd. But it's a uh, it's 341 to go. We're down three. We make a couple free throws to pull within one. We get a stop, but then we can't convert. They go up two, go up three on back-to-back free throws that are made uh, by Ronnie DeGray. So now we're down three with under two minutes to go. And, and, and admit it, you were like me, you're thinking, here we go again, and, man, we can't lose this game. We missed the three that would have tied it. They end up making, they end up fouling us, and uh, we go one of two from the line with 143 to go. So we're down two. They miss a three, get an offensive rebound, miss another three. And again, this is where they were a little bit impatient. I know they're thinking, okay, if we hit the three here, we're up five with under a minute to go, it's probably over. Sometimes discretion is a better part of valor. They get nothing on that trip. We go down and get a great, great drive from Iverson Molinar. He lays it up with the left hand up and in to tie the game. And then they get down there, and defensively we play really well and basically force them into a bad shot. Jerron Coleman fires up the three. They miss. We get a rebound. And next thing you know, we don't call timeout. We're not not doing it. It's a tie game. We're going to let the kids play. Shaquille Moore goes down on the break, makes it, and then gets fouled. We miss a free throw. And they go down and fire up, you know, desperation three and miss, and Shaquille pulls it down. Um, but, you know, if Ben Howland calls a timeout there, I don't know if that's a big thing for us. I don't, to be honest with you, I don't think we had any timeouts left, did we? Now that I think about it in hindsight, I don't know that we had any timeouts left. And Shaquille Moore had the presence of mind to say, you know what, I'm fixing to go win the game. Fixing to go win the game. That's exactly what he does. But again, last four minutes has kind of been, you know, our Achilles heel. But here we were taking as well as as we're given. You know, we're punching right back. And then late, we land the punch that matters most. They run out of time. We get a couple stops down the stretch. And that's been difficult for us too. So we win. We win. And again, keep our hopes alive. Uh, for, for getting to the tournament. 16-11, now 7-7. Seven and seven. We're five, 500 in the league. We got a chance. I had said all along that I thought we're probably going to end up uh, not all along. I guess that wouldn't be, be fair. Um, but I thought, you know, maybe we end up, you know, eight, 17 wins overall, maybe eight and 10 in the conference. You, know, you finish a little bit better than that. You got a chance. Probably need to win a game or two in the tournament. But, you know, basically what we've done is kept our hopes alive for making the tournament. And here is what I'll say about that. Um, 
Because I know a lot of people out there like, well, I really don't want to have to make a coaching change. I get it. I understand it. But the thing that I think about is, do we really want to be sweating this out every year? Because that's how it feels to me. It's like every year we are a perennial bubble team with one exception in the last seven years. I mean, so is this really what, you know, that's the thing that I think about when you take a step back, because right now we're just saying, let's just get in the tournament. Let's just get in the tournament. But when I take a step back, and I look at this and say, you know what, this is the same story every year. Every year we're having to get down the stretch and every loss just feels like it is an absolute body blow to us. And every win doesn't even feel like really an enjoyment. It's just kind of one of those things you endure to kind of keep the, the drama alive. Wednesday will be at Columbia, South Carolina. South Carolina is a little bit like us. They're kind of up and down. Probably got a quality win or two that we don't. That's going to be a tough matchup for us. We're going to go in and try to make that happen. We get Vanderbilt at our place, and they're actually playing better as of late. And then we get Auburn, and we travel to A&M. A&M not playing as well. And so now you start thinking, okay, if we play up to our potential, which has proven to be an issue at times, I think you could conceivably win three of the last four. I don't know that I felt that way maybe last week. You know, we're mired in that losing streak. But none of these games are a given. We could go three and one. I don't think we're beating Auburn. Uh, we could go three and one or we could go and four. I think the way that A&M is reeling right now, maybe that, that looks honestly like the easiest game on the schedule. But you never know from week to week what it's going to look like. This week, all we can focus on is South Carolina and Vanderbilt. Should we beat both of those teams? Yes, we should. Will we beat both of those teams? That remains to be seen. Uh, but this, again, we're, we're really kind of pushing ourselves and challenging ourselves uh, to get to the tournament. But, again, I don't think getting the tournament is, is enough. I know we hadn't done it in a long time. Uh, but I think you probably need to get there and get out of the first weekend to even you know, feel like, okay, okay, we're heading in the right direction. And I'll tell you, guys, Ben Howen has a lot of friends around town, a lot of people that really love Ben Howen as a person. They think he is a fabulous person. You know, just don't win enough. You know, Sylvester Croom, a fabulous person too. And uh, he didn't win even near as regularly as Ben did. Uh, so the reality of it is, is like, you know, nice guys often uh, aren't the best of coaches. You know, Ben Howen's got three Final Fours to his credit. The guy clearly can coach. And this is usually his time of year. You know, so we'll see. And that's the thing. If we could have a 2-0 and week, I think all of a sudden everybody starts thinking, you know what, hey, we're going to make it. And I would agree with that. If you, you win two this week, that makes you 18-11. Makes you 9-7 and in the league. Means you can finish no worse than 500 in the league. You got a shot. You got a real shot. I think, I think everybody would agree at that point. State has probably played their way in to serious consideration. I don't think you can absolutely count us in. But I think you have put yourself in a position, whereas if you went through this week and you just get a split next week, I think you're in. And maybe, maybe that's just me being a bit of a homer. But, um, you know, you add three wins and all of a sudden you're 19 and 12. And let's say you win one in the SEC tournament. You know, so you're 500 or better in the league with 20 wins and you get one in the postseason. You know, I think I could sell that. I really do. I think I could sell that. So we'll see how things go and how things progress. But, uh, you know, the main thing is you got to go beat South Carolina. You lose to South Carolina, then everything I just said means nothing.
Final segment of the show brought to you our friends at Portico. Uh, Carrie, Brooks, the whole group there. Man, those guys are my friends. And um, they're your friends too. And uh, not only are they the developers of this great residential development Portico out here uh, just off the Mississippi State campus, they have a place there. How cool is that? So not only would they be the guys that you work with to buy a home there, they're going to be your neighbors, at least part of the time, because that's their ball game weekend retreat. You can have one of those places, too, or you can make it your primary residence. You know, I'm, I might just buy a house over there one day and just kind of be, be the night watchman, just kind of walk around and watch everybody's stuff, you know, when I'm out walking my dogs or whatever. Um, but here's the deal. If you've been thinking about moving to Starry, well, now's the time. You know, phase one completely sold out. Phase two is getting underway right now. Things are happening you got a lot of people involved in all this that are making some good things happen because they love Starkville, they love Mississippi State. This isn't some you know out-of-state company just isn't coming here and and uh, and set this thing up and then leave it for you to deal with. And these are people that are invested in Starkville, they're invested in you, they're invested in that community, which is why they have put roots down there themselves. Uh, you can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home, uh, whether it be your primary residence, or, of course, or a retirement home. They're going to have a plan that fits you. Let me tell you, give Brooks a call. Brooks, uh, former Diamond Dog guy. He's here all the time. 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. You know I like doing business with Bulldogs whenever I can. Uh, This bunch, Bulldogs through and through. All right, final segment of the show. Let's talk women's basketball. You know, here's the deal. It's... uh, it's painfully clear that we have run out of gas and it, and it's sad, you know, because these young ladies are playing so hard. And then we get down to the final couple of minutes of a ball game and our legs and our bodies just kind of betray our mind and our hearts. We just don't have enough left in the tank and it's nobody's fault. I mean, that, that's what, that's the thing. You know, it's not their fault. You know, you know, they're playing the best they can, but at the end of the day, we're not winning. You know, now we're not expected to make the tournament now. We still have a chance, but we, you know, we were, had played our way in, and now we've lost three in a row. And here's the deal. Whether we make the tournament or not, I'm going to remember this team very fondly. I mean, I am. Because of the adversity they've, they've had. They had every excuse to quit. They didn't quit. Doug Novak didn't quit. You know, we've had some people quit. We have. We've had some people quit. Those that remained, I, in my mind, will be beloved forever. You know, I, I really do. I, I mean that. And listen, we've got a difficult week ahead of us. You know, we got to go to Knoxville on Thursday, which will probably be our fourth straight loss. That's a difficult place to play. And we have no depth. They have a lot of talent. They're expected to be, you know, one top seeds in the tournament. But I just expect them to go out there and represent themselves well. I mean, I'm not looking for a moral victory. But I'm also one of those people, too, that kind of understands where where the – you know, where the rubber meets the road. Then we get Arkansas on Sunday for senior day. And my hope is that our folks will turn out maybe after baseball, run over there, and let's recognize these uh, these seniors and these young ladies, give them a, a sending tribute before they head off to Nashville for the SEC tournament. Uh, but we've lost three, three in a row. Uh, we went from being 15-8 and eight to 15-11. Went from being 6-5 and five in the league to being 6-8. and eight. And so not a lot going on in a positive variety. We had a chance to win that game against Missouri. Let's take a quick look at that before we get out of here. Um, you know, Missouri, of course, we beat them earlier in the year in Starkville, 77-62, and nobody really gave us a chance. And then, you know, this is a ball game. You know, we're right there in the thick of things, and then you know, we just kind of run out of gas. You know, State is down five after one. We storm back. 
pull it to winning two at the break. We're down uh, nine after three. And then next thing you know, we, we score 24 points in the final quarter. The problem is they scored 25. So we're right there with them late. And that was the thing. It's like you just you look up and you begin to think, okay, what's happening here? You know, it is a 55-53 game with 638, and then we tie it. It's Charlotte Cole steps to the line and ties it. So it's six minutes to go. It's a tie game. You're thinking we're right there. Then we're down three, down five, down eight. Cut it back to three at 307 to go, and you're thinking we're, we're there. Right back, two minutes, 17 to go. We're, we're again, three points. And then they, Lauren Hansen knocks down a three, puts them up six. And at that point, it was pretty much academic. It was pretty much academic. We didn't score the rest of the ball game. And, again, you, you just kind of run out of a juice here and you have to foul. They make their free throws. And it makes the game look a little more lopsided than it truly was. But the reality of it is these young ladies have played exceptionally hard uh, for Mississippi State. Whether they make the tournament or not, and at this point I don't expect them to, I think you can look back and say, you know what? We owe Doug Novak a debt of gratitude for, you know, putting us in a position, in a better position than maybe he inherited. And that's not necessarily a shot at anybody else. But the reality of it is, is that this this season could have absolutely gone off the rails. But some other people that said, you know what? I'm not going to let that happen. Not on my watch. I'm not letting that happen. Now, two weeks ago, many of you were advocating for Doug Novak, and I know many of you still are. And I think, again, you know, it's not his fault. He doesn't have depth. But we've lost three in a row. So I feel like in some respects, the kind of bloom is off the rose in some respects. And, again, it's nobody's fault. Uh, but I fully expect Mississippi State to go outside Doug Novak to hire another coach. That's not to say that Doug is not a candidate. He certainly is. And I think he'll get an opportunity to interview for the job. And that sounds kind of, you know, interesting. The guy's going to interview for the job he already has. Well, he is the interim coach. And so – uh, things change a little bit as we move, kind of move forward there. But, you know, the reality of it is, is Doug's done a great job. And this is no shot at Doug. But as I've shared with you guys before, I think the best thing to do is to go, rather than piecemeal this thing together, is you go out and you hire a sitting staff. And uh, here is what I believe, you know, based on some conversations that I've had. I won't mention any names yet because, you know, of course they're going to respect the privacy of the other candidates because there are some, there's still a handful of candidates that are being considered. And you would want to put those names out there and then three or four people not get the job and all of a sudden it becomes a difficult situation back home. Uh, but the reality of it is, is I do think we are going to go out and hire a, a sitting G5 head coach. That's what I expect. Oh, well, Steve, we're not a power fight. Well, we're not going to spend that kind of money to go, you know, Vic's not coming home, okay? $3.6 million buyout or something like that, something ridiculous. It's, it's well over $3 million. We're not going to do that. You know, just like the, you know, we've had some other coaches in the past that have used us to get a raise from their current employer. You don't think that's happened in women's basketball? It absolutely is. It absolutely is. But here's what I would want in a coach. I, I want somebody that believes this is a huge step up for them. Now, and I also want somebody that has a pedigree for winning. I want somebody that's maybe not been a head coach for two or three years, but for several. I want somebody with a tried and true, proven offensive and defensive system. I want somebody that has assistant coaches around them that believe in what they do. They're not just here to collect a check. They're not just here because they, you know, you had a spot to fill. I want assistant coaches that believe in what the head coaches is doing and seeing their vision because we have seen what happens firsthand when that doesn't happen. And I want a coach that produces coaches. You can say, well, Steve, what do you mean? I want a guy 
or gal whose coaching methods are so successful that they produce assistant coaches that become head coaches at other programs because the system is so tried and true. That's what I want. I want a coach that's going to produce players. I want a coach that's going to produce college graduates. I want a coach that's going to put players in the WNBA. I want a coach that's going to put players in professional basketball around the globe. I don't just want to go down the road and hire somebody from you know Baldwin High School. We've done that before too, right? You say we have. Yeah, we have. Worked out pretty well though. Babe McCarthy. It's a different day and time today. So I think you got to go out and get somebody that is established, that is a proven winner, that has people around them that believe in them and believe in what they're doing, that will see Mississippi State. It's the greatest opportunity available. I don't want anybody on this campus, from the cleaning lady to the coach to the chancellor, that doesn't think Mississippi State is the greatest job in the world. I just don't. You know, we, we, we've used the, the, you know, the, the stair steppers for years and years and years. I want somebody that's going to say, you know what, I'm going to be so grateful to Mississippi State for giving me this opportunity that I'm going to give the best effort I've ever given and I'm going to do my best to give them the best result they've ever gotten. And that's the kind of coach that I want. I don't want somebody that just needs another stop in the road until they get to retirement. I want somebody that sees this as the pinnacle of their coaching career. And I think that's what we deserve. And I believe that's what we're going to get. We'll have more information on that soon. Look for Robbie Falk to have an updated women's coaching search hot board later this week over at jeanspage.com. That'll be available only to jeanspage.com subscribers. Be sure and check that out. All right, that's it for today, man. We'll see you guys soon. If you're looking for Stark Villains gear, you can find it at starkvillains.com. Go order some books at dogpiledbook.com. Of course, Blooms Voliander also back on a top 10 list. How about that? Two books in the top 10 from your good friend and host. Very, very proud of those books. Very proud of all of you. Very appreciative of your support. A lot of great reviews, a lot of cool things people have had to say, and I, I appreciate that more than I can ever articulate. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.